From Welcome Villain Films, the studio that brought you the horror hit Malum, as well as Beaten to Death and Hunter Killer, comes their newest nightmare, Mind, Body, Spirit, now available on digital. Directed by Alex Haynes and Matthew Miranda, and produced by Dan Asma, Mind, Body, Spirit follows Anya, an aspiring yoga influencer, as she embarks on a ritual practice left behind by her estranged grandmother. What starts as a spiritual self-help guide quickly evolves into something much more sinister. As Anya becomes increasingly obsessed with the mysterious power of the practice, she unwittingly unleashes an otherworldly entity that begins to take control of her life and her videos. Now, Anya must race to unlock the truth before her descent into madness threatens to consume her mind, body, and spirit. During its festival tour, which stops at Chattanooga Film Festival and the Unnamed Footage Festival, Mind, Body, Spirit garnered praise from critics who call it a found footage version of Hereditary and a knockout found footage horror movie for the live stream era. Experience the first ever yoga-themed found footage horror film and don't miss the film viewers have called extremely frightening and upsetting. Available now on digital anywhere you rent or buy movies online, including Prime Video and Apple Plus. When you want to have fun and have scratchers to scratch, there's a playful way you can do just that. Scratch with the key or acrylic nail. Scratch with the quill from a porcupine tail. Use a belt buckle from your friend Lamar. Or scratch with your pick while you play guitar. You can scratch in a bunch of different playful ways. Scratchers from the California lottery. A little play can make your day. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player claim. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. New activation and upfront payment for three-month plan required. Taxes and fees extra. Additional restrictions apply. See mintmobile.com for full terms. Introducing Carvana Value Tracker, where you can track your car's value over time and learn what's driving it. It might make you excited. Whoa, didn't know my car was valued this high. It might make you nervous. Uh Uh-oh, market's flooded. My car's value just dipped 2.3%. It might make you optimistic. Our low mileage is paying off. Our value's up. And it might make you realistic. Mm, Car prices haven't gone up in a couple weeks. Maybe it's time to sell. But it will definitely make you an expert on your car's value. Carvana Value Tracker. Visit Carvana.com to start tracking your car's value today. Fuck it, and welcome back to Scarred for Life, the podcast where we open up old wounds by looking back at the films that scared us as kids. I'm Terry. I'm Mary Beth. Each episode, our special guest or guests bring with them a movie that traumatized them as a child. Uh, this week, our special guest is Sean Parker. This is part two of the Mostly Horror podcast interview, and Steve Goldberg is obviously also here with us, talking about another movie uh hello we are excited to talk to you again even though it's two days in a row for us really but. yeah yeah hi it's a long, not, it's long time no see friends been 24 hours this is I know. <laughs> yeah wow. we, we've we've barely started recording and i'm already being roasted but let's uh 
Let's get Fun. into it. Fun. You oh, can't wait. Can't wait. Can't wait. I'm ready, man. I brought my dukes. I'm ready. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Here for um, okay. But before we get into that. Sure. We are now going to talk about last episode. We talked about the podcast and how you're, you're kind of horror stuff now but we are now talking about how you got into horror or both of your intros into the horror world which we kind of touched on a little bit last episode but sean i want to start with you how sure. did you get into horror like how were you introduced to the world of horror okay so um I, i'm sorry it's going to be a roundabout because i think it, it's several pieces that kind of fell into place at the perfect time Hell yeah. Technically, the movie that I, I could have chosen for this episode, if I think it was on your list already as a as you you've already covered it, but a movie that I could have picked is Scream, the first Scream, oh. because okay. uh one of my earliest memories in general, not just of the horror genre, but but one of my founding memories is uh being about three or four years old and I was at I was being babysat by a by a older cousin and me and two of my younger cousins were playing tag i was being chased into the living room just in time to see drew barrymore hanging from a tree with stab wounds in her and i will it's it's one of those things that are just it's burned into my psyche at the time it was awful um it it really really messed me up and uh and i had like night terrors for years i don't know if it was specifically that but but as a kid i was scared of like everything but i always had that that like spooky bug like i even though i was not the kid that wanted to hear ghost stories or watch uh you know horror movies i loved halloween i loved nightmare before christmas i had a weird fascination kind of like um pressing on the loose sore tooth uh watching are you afraid of the dark i would like watch it from behind the couch and freak myself out and have to turn it off or change the channel uh but i kept coming back to it so um so yeah, I, I think that those those things were building for a long time, but it wasn't until I was about ten. Uh, I was at my mom's house one weekend, drawing. I was drawing like an Inuyasha picture in the sketchbook that I had. <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. And uh, I, I had a feeling that would hit something for you guys. Um, but I remember I was sitting on the couch, and a family friend came over and was like, "I, you know, I brought you know some drinks, and I brought a, a movie coming to hang out with my mom and my stepdad, and." Uh, my mom was like, well, well, is it, is it scary? And he was like, it's, it's like a thriller. And my, I remember my mom looked at me and she said, well, do you want to go into your room? And I said, no, I'll, I'll try to watch it. And it was this movie called Mind Hunter, which is this weird horror. Oh. Psycho- yeah. The one with, uh, with, um, oh, who is that? Who is that? That's in that. Um, he's in Deep Blue Sea as well. Oh, it'll come to me LL in a minute. LL cool, cool J, dude. LL Cool J. Oh, yeah, I was right. I was like, I can't anything all of a sudden. Yeah, <laughs> dude. Um, yes, also thank you. Directed by Rennie Arlen, who did uh, interesting Deep Blue Sea. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. But so they put that movie on, and I just that movie is not like to this day. I'm not going to tell you that it holds up or anything, but it has some really interesting kills, and I became obsessed. That same night, I watched House of a Thousand Corpses and Hostel, and I never went back. So, <laughs> okay, wait, how old were you? I was 10. Um, and you're watching so, Hostel. Yeah, it was, um, it just came, I think it was like, I don't know if it was the sci-fi channel or whatever, but those movies were literally back to back. I came in like 10 minutes into House of a Thousand Corpses and Hostel came on right after. And 
I still love House of a Thousand Corpses. I'm not a Hostel fan, but at the time it was, you know, I was exposing myself to stuff I had never done. It felt like I was challenging myself, you know, and I think that's where I found my love in it was being afraid for so long and then finally stepping up to face it. Um, so House of a Thousand Corpses, though. Interesting. I love that. Do you not like that movie either? Do we just have different tastes? <laughs> do I'm we not just, a Rob we Zombie just... fan. I'm sure, just well, not okay. a Rob Zombie fan. I want to stress. We can hang out, Terry. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay, I'm not. It's funny because when when we talk about House a lot, it seems like Rob Zombie fans or Rob Zombie is very polarizing. You know, mm-hmm. people are either obsessed with him or they don't like him at all. Um, I would. There are plenty of Rob Zombie movies that I don't like. Um, there are plenty that I think are fun. House is his like one movie that I'm absolutely in love with. I I do love that movie. Mm. I I remember hearing so much about it and then finally being able to watch it. And I only got maybe 20 minutes in, and I was like, I'm I'm, I'm done. With really? This. And then I tried. I... I tried watching more of his movies, and I just mm-hmm. it's it's not for me. His, sure. his stuff is just not for me. Sure. I think I haven't watched house i only watched house of a thousand corpses once and i think i liked it but i cannot i remember liking it more than all the other stuff of his i've seen i, I liked captain spaulding oh yeah, yeah he's such an icon i mean sid haig was uh you know an amazing he's just a character he's he's a uh, an entire personality and i think even if you don't like that movie you just can't deny that like i mean that movie is filled with with very interesting characters and and sid's performance is great and sid was a really cool dude mm-hmm. um he was i'm blown away that 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 neither of you like it and mary beth you've only seen it once like that's to me that's like a yearly watch for me at least you know like really? I, every like how oh yeah every there's a handful of movies that are just once october starts i i don't let myself watch them the rest of the year but i throw them on in october as much as i want yeah <laughs> so house is for sure Ooh. one of them Dang, but we just have different tastes. It's fine. You guys it's are going to dog good. me later, too. Hey. Oh, so We're many people I know and love love Rob Zombie. It's just, I, it just doesn't hit for me. I don't know. I sure. like his That's music. Okay. Yeah, cue, uh, dig through the ditches and burn. Let's do it. Uh, <laughs> I, did, starts I, did, I did like his version of the Munsters. I thought it was kind of cute, and I had fun with it. Anyway. That is... No, well, I, I have to say that's so funny because I didn't like it at all. And I was trying... So many people, the second it was announced, people were so mad, and especially when he announced that Sherry Moon was going to be Lily and stuff. And I was like, and guys, the trailer comes out. let it yeah. happen. Well, even through the trailer, I was like, give it a chance. But I ended up not not liking it. Oh, I fully thought it was going to be hot garbage, and I'm so sorry. I was wrong. It actually was kind of fun. But anyway, let's get back. Yeah, <laughs> yeah derailing, derailing all good. the time. But then, so Steve, we kind of talked a little bit about you weren't really a big horror person, right? So maybe refresh listeners a little bit about like kind of how you came into horror and how it's really just been recently, right? Yeah. I mean, I definitely have memories of horror, at least like horror for kids when I was growing up or things that like stuck with me for a while, which is actually funny because I, since starting this podcast, I've like spoken to my dad about it and he's like, do you remember when you had nightmares about this thing? But like, so I, (laughs) for, for listeners that may have not heard the previous episode, um, hereditary, uh, I think I said changed my life similarly to puberty um where it was just a physical full body experience um for both charlie and myself in that theater and i 
<laughs> I uh, I'm was never the same. Like I, I love. Um, that was a sly joke. That took me a yeah, moment. I was thanks. like, "Who's Charlie?" And I was like, "Oh, uh, the the one who lost Very her head." Uh, but I, it took um, me a minute. It's hot. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. I uh, yeah, and I I've good, loved though. horror ever since. Um, fully deep deep diving into things that I don't like. I know what I like and I don't like. I don't like Rob Zombie type films. I don't like, you know, torture porn and gore stuff. But like, I love psychological art house, you know, drama centric found footage, blah, blah, blah. Um, But I do. So two things that I remember from when I was younger that this is the thing that my dad kind of reminded me of is um, I think when I was younger, I had nightmares from watching Scooby-Doo. And I don't like I have, I think, repressed a lot of my childhood. I don't remember. I then like nothing like my parents got divorced, but like nothing really bad happened in my life. I just don't remember shit from when I was younger. But I yeah. do remember having nightmares. Uh, and I'm pretty sure it was because I watched Scooby Doo and my dad was my dad is very like liberal and um is not like don't listen to that or don't watch that. Um, but I think it was one of those things where he was like, maybe you shouldn't do that anymore. And I was like, yeah, probably not. I don't want to dream bad dreams again. Um, I don't remember what it was from Scooby-Doo, but I'm, I'm pretty sure it was Scooby-Doo. Um, and then the other thing that I remember, and I talk about this in, in the, the previous episode is I've always been so uncomfortable by, uh, foaming at the mouth things. Mm-hmm. Um, and one time, uh, I think I was probably fuck 11 or 12. And I was at my mom's ex-boyfriend's parents' house for Christmas. And they had this huge house. And I was just wandering because my parents were drinking or doing whatever. And I wandered downstairs. Uh, just an open uh, open basement, like fully finished. But no one was down there. And the TV was on. And someone must have been watching Law & Order. Um, at that moment, I stumbled upon a scene in Law & Order where a man had taken pills and he was just lying on the ground <laughs> foaming at the mouth. I didn't know the context at that point. Um, I stuck around long enough to find out that it was Law & Order. But that memory, like I really, I'm sure if you Googled like Law & Order foaming at the mouth, there's probably like, you know, a whole season dedicated to that. But like, <laughs> it's probably hard to, to find that. But um, But I remember that so so visually uh and it's always made me so uncomfortable so those are like things that i i know i didn't really talk about like things that scarred me for life but for sure that did um so those are those are two really really wow. really early horrific memories that i have huh. <laughs> wow <laughs> the so facial expression so specific so specific <laughs> I'm not sure I don't say have Cujo a lot of memories or something. Yeah, but then mm-hmm. Law and Order, wild. <laughs> yeah, yeah, huh. yeah. I don't yeah. have a lot of memories from when I was a kid, but that one is very like I can still remember the fucking huge tube TV. And uh, oh yeah, oh yeah. Huh? It was just mm-hmm. yeah. Every time he hears dun dun, he just panics. So <laughs> yeah, I just like shake a he little bit. He starts foaming at the mouth a little bit. I, whatever yeah. actually, he starts foaming at the mouth, and then it just becomes this horrible cycle where he can't stop yes. panicking. Yes, yeah, exactly. I'm so sorry. So do do you, I'm sorry. Were you were you afraid of foaming at the mouth before that movie, or was that the the movie that like is that like or that TV show? I mean, is. Do you remember? I don't think I knew that that could happen. Okay. I think that was me learning that that could happen. Like, I never... I always like to have the glass half full. I like like the glass to be full in general. And uh, I think (laughs) 
I am was just like your body works, you know, like I I didn't think about death a lot as a child. I feel like Sean and I probably had such different childhoods, but I thought I about think death of, all the time. Yeah, well, I do now, <laughs> but I didn't waste my childhood thinking about it. But like I, I didn't like. All right. think, <laughs> I didn't. I didn't think that like things could happen, and so I saw a man foaming at the mouth, and I was like, "What in the fuck? It, you're not allowed to do that." Uh, and you that's mean you just didn't like... lay awake as a child worrying about not waking up in the morning and worrying about dying as a child? Just us? It, cool. Me for no. sure. But yeah. only it only people happens. I care about dying? Oh, yeah. It, o- it only started happening in my mid-20s, thank God. <laughs> oh, man. Welcome, so welcome, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Jerry, hopefully that answers your question. Yeah. It does. I've always had just a fatalistic attitude towards death. Just like, okay, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Never. It's never. Cool. My. (laughs) Congratulations. So so I'll touch on this a bit. Antidepressants, so <laughs> me too. Well, so do I, but for different reasons. I'll take I'll take what she's having. Um, I, anyway. uh, I I grew up with my grandparents, and so I I I don't know when the concept was introduced to me, but I was just it wasn't that I was afraid I was going to die. I was afraid that they were, um, oh. like all the time. Yeah. And, and okay. yeah. So the idea of like being dead or dying really quick has never really gotten me, but the idea of finding out that I'm dying, like I'm sick and then oh. losing the people I care about has, even when I was afraid, I, or I, I'm sorry, even when I was young, I, I just thought about like, what if I woke up and my grandparents weren't like that? They, they died in their sleep or something. So I was obsessed with it. I do have that issue now as going into my 40s with like my parents and whatnot, like seeing the movie Relic uh, from what was that? Yeah. Two, three years ago, yeah. like just destroyed me because dementia has run in my family. And so like I definitely have that towards other people. But like today, just today, we're the whole submarine thing is happening right now yeah. while yes. we're recording. Yeah. And my coworkers are like you want to still do that? It's like, yeah, I would love to go down. He's like, but aren't you scared of dying? He's like, well, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. But it's a once in a lifetime chance to go see the, and I was like, plus, you know, I mean, you get crushed by the water. It's like instantaneous. What antidepressants are you on? I want one of more on. He's got acetylopram plus. That just sounds like zen. I want that kind of thing. I want that. <laughs> oh, my uh, my issues d- uh, are other things, but but dying is, is definitely not on that list. Other people, heard, yes, but I don't think I've heard anyone say that they would be down to go in that Titanic thing. I think you're the first one that I've heard. I would do oh, it if I it was would. like a different like a different group organizing it but like they're fucking yeah. oh ma- they're yeah. mad cats controller and the yes when no, i when you. i saw that today i was like mm, really this is what you're paying two hundred and fifty thousand dollars for is right. a tin bucket that's being controlled by a video game controller this isn't grand yeah. theft auto what are you doing <laughs> yes. it's i was about to say it's, i, I sure? want to stress i think the question of uh of would you ever go in a submarine and would you get on this thing are different. Yeah. Like they're just uh, yeah. different. Yes, you know? Absolutely. It, oh, yeah. So so yeah. I'd go on a submarine maybe. It would take a lot of mental preparation. I don't I'm not promising you I'm gonna get on, but I'll think about it. I'm never getting on this fucking thing. Not happening. Yeah. <laughs> like no. no way. You have to unbolt me from the outside to get out. Eat my ass. Not happening. <laughs> <laughs> just not happening. <laughs> Literally not happening. No way. <laughs> No way. 
<laughs> wow. <laughs> Sorry. Never apologize. <laughs> Never. Um, wow. That was a pretty little anecdote. <laughs> That's incredible. Um, so, uh, so suffice to say, Sean, you were a scared kid growing up? <laughs> no, yeah. I don't <laughs> It was, um... It was always I was I was def- I'm I'm I've had an anxiety disorder forever 100%. It was uh Yeah. It was I was the kid that like if my parents left, I remember like times where my grandma or my mom, I lived with my grandparents, I would visit my mom on the weekends. It's a whole complicated thing, but yeah. if I was left alone, if the parent left and was like I'll I'm going to the store, I'm doing this, I'll be back in an hour or whatever, if it went a minute uh-huh. over the hour, I was convinced that they got in a car accident or something happened. Oh wow. And I would have full blown. I was the same blown. as a kid. Yep. I was exactly And the I'm same. talking I remember like hysteric crying like complete panic attack. Um or my grandma would wake me up uh, at the same time every day for school, and if I woke up and it was after that time, my brain – I just remember coming into consciousness, and my first thought is she died in her sleep, and I have to go check. Like I've I've put my finger under my grandparents' nose countless times. No. Yeah, like that's just the kid. I, I've just always been an, an overthinker and assume the worst person, um, and I don't know – I'm I'm going to therapy soon, so maybe we can check back in a few months, and I can give you some more answers. But um, and I was afraid of being kidnapped too. I was like deathly oh. afraid. Yeah, if a car drove by too slow, I was like, they're gonna they're gonna take me and and keep me in a cage somewhere. Like I don't know where these ideas came from, but I was fucked in the head as a kid. <laughs> I'm still fucked in the head. <laughs> Did hostel make it worse? Did it make it better? Like no, it's. <laughs> And by that point, it was a way to – I think that that – like part of what made me fall in love with horror was realizing like, oh, like this is just a vi- – like a way to vicariously kind of confront the things that you've been creating in your head anyway, you know? Yeah. Um, so it, it's like, yo, your head's already full of the bad things. This is a way to get it out. You know, you're not putting mm-hmm. stuff in. Um, and I think that – yeah, for me. Um, but yeah. Oh, yeah. Very, very similar situation with seeing horror as a way to, like, get all of the anxiety out of my brain, at least for a little bit. That's definitely a big thing for me growing up, for sure. Gives you a way to contextualize contextualize it. Yes! Yes! 100%. 100%. 100%. One brain cell. We are all now. (laughs) For a moment, till we get to dread. For a moment. (laughs) Cherish this moment while we can. Yes. Steve, were you a, like easily scared as a kid? I don't. I think I had the things I was scared about. I'm still scared of things. Like I'll, you know, I, I don't like going into dark, to large bodies of water, and I don't like spiders. You know, like I fuck fuck a spider. Um, and Harry, but those Harry are hates those spiders are spiders with a dirty passion. <laughs> yeah, but those aren't the things that like I will. Uh, I'll be like afraid to watch a movie of. I guess. Um, yeah. They're just they oh, they don't I affect am. me to that way. But it's like <laughs> it's just the the personal thing. Um, but yeah, I think I'm. Have you seen Arachnophobia? I if I saw it, it was a long time ago. It's so I got I on VHS. I got yeah. you tonight. <laughs> isn't uh, isn't Christopher Landon redoing that? Because I think or is yes. it crazy? Yes. Yeah. So I'm I'm stoked. Yeah. I'm stoked for him to redo it because I'm like I want to re- reapproach it I, because <laughs> I fucking hate this movie. Oh, <laughs> I never. I'm well, never going to watch that movie again. Uh. Well. Wow. Unders- understandable. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I mean, hope. it must it must hit the all the wrong buttons the right ways. Yeah. Oh, it sure oh, does. Yeah. I mean, um, <laughs> listen to our episode about it, Terry. Yeah, we have an upcoming trauma. episode with someone that I'm not sure when it's going to post, but there's an upcoming episode that is all about the movie, and that's literally the last time I will have watched this movie. I refuse to watch it ever, ever Hell again. Yeah. Amazing. Hell yeah, yeah oh. I love that you're that like. Yeah, you're that like I, I respect I watch it. the movie like this the entire time. I, I just <laughs> wow. I can't. Yeah, I was like my, I was watching with my roommate. And I was like, "Is that over yet? Are the spiders off the screen?" She's like, "Yes." And then I would be. That's okay. funny. It's funny wow. because I was playing a video game recently where they have spiders crawling like all over these like caves that you're in, and they are like, you playing Diablo Four? No, I want to really badly. Oh, but that's, I, uh, that's, that's my experience with Diablo Four. Yeah, I, <laughs> I assume I assume the same. But yeah, I was like, I was like, I fucking feel creepy crawly now. Like I don't want to be a part of this anymore. Spiders are um, weird. Yeah, but no, I mean, I I don't think I was scared that easily. I'm very I was very susceptible to jump scares. So that was like okay. you know whenever I would go see horror films with my friends, um, like that dragged me to see them before I was a fan <laughs> of the genre um aka like quarantine like every jump scare fucking got to me um that said i've always been a fan of like monster you know monster films like cloverfield is very much my shit came out you know the january of of uh 2008 before quarantine did um so like that sort of stuff doesn't scare me but yeah yeah very specific i'm also curious like in your horror journey now like after you've watched Hereditary, what have been some of your favorites that you've really... I know we talked a little bit about it last time, but like, I know you said Hereditary. What are some of your favorites? Not necessarily that have yeah. scared you, but like that are your favorites. Yeah. Um, oh, God, that's a good question. Um, I love... I mean, Hereditary solidified that Ari Aster is just going to be one of my favorites forever. Um, so I love Midsummer. Uh, Midsommar, as he calls it, but I feel like that's kind of pretentious. I just call it Midsummer. Um, so... I didn't like Bo's Afraid. That's I wouldn't call that a horror film, but it's mostly horror. Uh, what else? A fucking do I... spider in it. It does have a fucking spider. Fucking in it. surprise spiders. Think... What other? Yes. What other? Literally, like no other horror film. Like, it was like Hereditary, and then like everything else has been like has been fine oh. after that. I will <laughs> say we did we did talk about like Speak No Evil. And that's one that really like hit hard that in um innocence from a couple years oh, ago sorry i should talk speak no evil Oops, no sorry. it's fine i don't care <laughs> it's fine you um, were just about is... talk to me well talk oh, to me yeah. i'm trying not to talk about yeah, yeah. that's sure, yeah that's but... talk to me again just to just to blow smoke up talk to me's ask uh talk to me's ass um that is as close as i have felt to the feeling i felt during hereditary that I've had since, since in the past five years. Um, it is so fucking good. So talk to me is very close. I can't to, give, yeah, to give you guys some context really quick, a big part of our show and just mine and Steve's relationship has been me trying to get him to have some fucking fun <laughs> with some of these movies. <laughs> and, and, um, and there's plenty that he, uh, that you like, you know, like yeah. you, you like what scream is doing. There's, I think like, especially yeah. when it gets into like the meta or the horror comedy realm or like playing mm-hmm. with the genre in an artistic way, that's where he like, that's his alignment with it like yeah. more off like you know stuff yeah. yeah and i know I, it's i mentioned i mentioned like you know things that <clears throat> things that like bear the aesthetic like this isn't horror and it's made for kids but like over the garden wall is fucking perfect um Ugh, like that's something I love, that i would say is like love. one of my favorite things um and i know i mentioned this is that in the, the one in, with the 
where the gif of the pumpkin carving the pumpkin yeah. is that from yeah i've never I seen consider, it I'm not, i, I consider oh, that horror adjacent Ooh. slash horror yeah it's, it's so mostly good. horror it's, 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 it's yeah. weird it's, it's so good no it's it's perfect. it's perfect um i again um the innocence sorry i'm like going through things that i've like rated the high innocence is so to, fucking good more people need to see it it is so fucked yeah. up it's gonna be one of those movies that ends up on those lists in like five or ten years and everyone yeah. starts it's watching about the kids it because yeah. yeah, the kids in the yeah. apartment complex that have That's psychic powers yes. and fuck yeah. with each mm-hmm. other. It was great. It's, it's really funny because the guy who directed that is um, Eskel Vogt. And he, yes! it's funny because the same year, he also wrote like one of the most beautiful, like quasi coming of age films in The Worst Person in the yes! World. And yes! it's like insane that I, he I, was I able to do him, both I range. Like, I, was, oh. I interviewed him and was like, what? He's like, I wrote The Innocence first. Like, that was the one I really <laughs> wanted to make. That's the one I've been trying to make forever. And I was yeah. like, oh, shit. So, and it was just like, it was cool to talk to him about it. Because I was like, oh, you yeah. also made me cry with the worst person in the world. Like, what the yeah. hell? He's like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but that's, I mean, that's very much like that vein. So the vein of The Innocence. Like, I love okay. Yorgos Lanthimos. I love Fincher. So, like, Seven and The Killing of a Sacred Deer is, like, one of my favorite films ever made. Um, things that, like, really toe the line of horror. Um, but, like, once you get into the, like, I can enjoy the classics and stuff like that. And I, I do love Scream. Scream is one of my favorite horror franchises. Um, but I'm not, like, in love with Halloween or Saw or, you know, like, the the big tent poles. Um, that's just not my, my vibe. Not, not even Freddy. Freddy's cool. I like, again, like I, I like it, but I'm so, I'm also like, again, I'll, I'll watch and appreciate an old film. It's very rare that an old film hits me the way that a new film will. It's, it's again, going back to like the contextual, going back to the contextual stuff. Like, I don't think I could experience one of those films the same way that other people have like i want you know i've watched alien i've watched almost all of the alien films except for three um which is funny because i love fincher and i fucking love those like i got out of them and i was like hell yeah alien aliens <laughs> i was so stoked um but i feel like you know the the nightmare movies are just like that was fun i see why people like it what an interesting premise decades ago wait have you seen don't look have you seen don't look now don't look now yeah donald sutherland no. The Nicholas Rowe no. film. You need no, to watch it. it you will change your perspective you on Based movies. on like, what, what you like, said. you need to watch it like tonight. I will. <laughs> I'm writing it down right now. <laughs> Don't, look. Don't look now. No. Nicholas Rogue. Okay. And it stars um, Donald Sutherland and Julia Christie. Yep. Okay. Okay. Uh, have either of you seen it? No, I haven't. I haven't seen it either. Oh, um, it's gorgeous. It's, it's a gorgeous fucking movie. Incredible. Okay. Like this is it's it is it will Steve, it will scratch an itch for you. I promise. Yeah. I mean, listen, I I will watch an old film and I will enjoy it. Like I it's funny. I know, you were just, but I just it's very funny because I'm like, this is so your very, like, like it is just very specifically your shit. Like in what okay. you like. I know I've only talked about it for like a total of two and a half hours, but like I feel yeah. like it will be very much your shit. Yeah, I'm I gonna, feel so like I'm gonna send you a tweet at like one in the morning, like yo. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think that a thing for uh, Steve as well, though, is uh, even if it's subconscious, is um, 
like the updates in cinematography and like color grading and stuff too i i think that like even just older looking films is not something that you're usually drawn to at all unless it serves the story in a a particular way like a great example of that is like the devils the devils fucking slaps and it's insane and like the fact that it looks the way that it looks just adds to it and like you know you will love don't look now you are okay. going to love what like they do. Build it up and then you're like, no, it's okay. okay. I'm not even <laughs> looking at it. Yeah, I'm it not is, even don't, looking don't at look it. Don't, don't look anything don't about it. Don't look anything about it. Just know that it has the best sex scene in a movie and it is a really good movie. Oh, oh shit. All Incredible right. sex. Oh, shit. Really, it's, yeah, it's great. Right. I'm sold. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but Sean, oh, what about you? What are some of your like favorite horror movies? It's so. Okay. I have been i've realized that you know being asked that over years i don't really update it often um i think that just as a person i'm the i'm the type of person that a big part of the reason i love something is rooted in nostalgia over anything Mm -hmm. else nostalgia and just like the experience i i could end up leaving a movie feeling like i love that movie so much just because i had um you know, a really great experience watching it um, with people that I really care about or or things like that. And it's rooted in a a place in my past. So I've really been trying to to dissect that. The list that I usually give people when I say my top five, (laughs) and I feel like I'm just going to get shit, (laughs) um, is John Carpenter's Halloween. I can can explain each one, by the way. Uh, And also, I want to stress, these are movies I love. I'm not saying these are the five best horror movies. Okay. Sean yeah. needs to explain everything. I do. I am. I, that's why I love Sean. Context <laughs> is everything. Say. Context is everything. Um, John Carpenter's Halloween. Okay. House of a Thousand Corpses. Okay. Um, uh, Trick or Treat. I have a lot of fun with. I know it's blown up recently. So good. Wait, Trick or Treat or Trick or Treat? Trick or Which Treat what? with Sam. With Sam. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I know Sean Trick or Treat like the cool. I, I did. I did too. Me yeah, too. I, yeah. Um, and uh, um, Dread is obviously on my list, and we'll get there. Okay. Uh, what's the the other one that I, I keep throwing at people? I don't, uh, how, it, it clearly isn't that important if it's not on my list. Oh, The Strangers. No, it is. It's super yeah. important. Oh. The Strangers is, in my opinion, like top t- horror at its best. I will defend that as being one of the best horror movies ever made. It's um, a great movie. Yeah, it's uh Brian Bertino just killed it with that. Have you seen um, The Dark and the Wicked? Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah, and I I did love it. It doesn't touch the screen the strangers for me. Um yeah. but A also it truly like religious horror just doesn't especially like Catholic horror doesn't do it for me. Um I have a lot of fun with it. I think it is a great playground. I want, like, I'm I'm not tired of those. I'm a little bit tired of, put, like, exorcism movies unless oh, you do I, something really new. Um, but, like, like, oh, the devil just doesn't scare me. Um, mm-hmm. but, I will say, hearing, yeah. like, talking with Brian about the background of The Dark and the Wicked and, like, the yes. writing and all that stuff, like, made me like it more. You know, like, the... the yeah. Like, the like groundwork aspect of it absolutely again had a lot of fun with that movie i'm just saying like in terms of impacting like the fear things in me the strangers every day all day 100 percent. have you seen his found footage movie mockingbird no it's it's like the one i haven't seen yet um i know i monster instead Mm. yeah yeah i didn't get a mockingbird's better monster was yeah, I wish it, Sorry, it could have been. My, I love Brian Bertino. Monster is not his strongest movie. No, it's I. <laughs> I think it could have. I think there was something there, and I. I think for a variety of reasons, it was just 
but Mocking, you know, check out Mockingbird. That... It's fucked up. It's weird. I own it. Okay. Somewhere around Hell here. Yeah. Um. Hell yeah. <laughs> we'll check soon. But yeah. So cool. the the things I love are are fairly real situations or really fantastical and and beautiful. Like if you're gonna go fantastical, I need great visuals to match it. Mm. Um, so like Del Toro's like Pan's a, Labyrinth. Okay, um, I was wondering because yeah. that's yes. immediately the the movie that came to my mind when you said that. I was like, Pan's yeah, Labyrinth. So I was obsessed. curious, obsessed. Uh, but too. other than like, I really i I like things that happen to normal people that show that people suck and and that really focus on like the evil that's within all of us and situations where you don't get answers and bad things just happen. Like that's what does it for me. Um, bleak terrible fucked if i leave a movie going that was fucked that means it was awesome are you you a new french extremity fan a what a new french extremity fan like martyrs i'm oh yeah like sorry sorry like high tension and martyrs and like those kinds of movies inside funny enough i haven't seen any of those um i've been told about martyrs for a long time um but when i say fucked i don't just mean those movies like um, I've heard that Martyrs is just really intense. If a movie just has really intense, like, violence for the sake of it, it doesn't do it for me. Like, I really do have to, like, super care about the, the oh, characters. and the. I think and, New French Extremity yeah. does this very – it's very different from American Torture Porn in terms of how you feel okay. about the characters and how it kind of brings you into the violence. Cool. I'm down to get as fucked as you want. Just give me a reason to be there okay. or else it's to me. So I'm just like, okay, what? then sure. Okay. I'm going to say, I'll send you a list because this is my shit. Like yes. this is very much my Please shit. Do. Bleak, sad, Deal. fucked up shit. The movie, the movie that the strangers is basically based on that is from this movement in France. So you need okay. to check that out called them. Amazing. Um, Absolutely. But yes. Anyway, that'll just a Damn. whole other tangent. <laughs> But yeah. we don't need to go down right now, but <laughs> Besides Martyrs sucks. Fuck off. It... Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> she says it with love. It is with love. Yeah. I just love Martyrs. Totally get it. <laughs> Have you seen Martyrs, Steve? Still gotta see it. No, I haven't. Okay. Nope. I haven't. If I go international. Person, yeah, it's like, you're not a big gore person, yeah. so it's yeah, those aren't necessarily gonna and, be your and thing. I and I know that going like going into it, so I'm just like I don't even want to like it's not worth my time giving unless I we're like oh, yes. interviewing someone that did it or whatever. Like very fair. Very fair. Yeah. If I go <laughs> if I go international, <clears throat> it's like very, you know, like drama, horror, like that sort okay. of stuff. So cool. Yeah. Um, okay, so Sean, you mentioned dread. So might as well just dive into the movie choice that you brought with you today. Can you All remind right. us about what you brought? <laughs> I, even I just said okay. <laughs> so, so the movie that I brought to chat about today is a movie called Steve's Warming Up. Is <laughs> is a movie called Dread. Uh, Dread is one of the after dark horror fest eight or after dark horror fest eight films to die for um it's based on a short by clive barker and uh i'm going to i also want to preface i I don't want to like tell your listeners what to do or or whatever but i'm a big proponent of like you need to see this movie completely blind don't spoil it so i encourage people to watch it before letting me spoil it here um personally i think that the odds of you liking it are higher if you go in completely blind but Maybe that's just me. Um, um, it might be because I went maybe. into it blind. Um, but let me just read a super <laughs> brief synopsis. I'm so sorry. Um, let me read. You're this. good. 
I didn't say it's guaranteed. I said it's more likely. <laughs> That's fair. Very fair. But, okay, so for listeners who are sticking around for this, let me read you a super brief synopsis before we jump into talking about Dread from 2009. Not to be confused again with the Judge Dread slash Dread movie. Yeah. This is different. very different. <laughs> um, <laughs> in this Dread, directed by Anthony DeBlasi, Three college students set out to document what other people dread the most. However, one of the three turns out to secretly be a sadistic psychopath who uses this knowledge to gruesomely torture his subjects. Okay, before we get into it, I just want to say that I find this statement so misleading because it is very obvious. I I go into this thinking, ooh, is this going to be a mystery? Is one of them secretly sadistic? No, you know right away who the fucked in the head person is in this movie. But anyway, that's, that's neither here nor there. I, <laughs> Wait, I have a, you know, I have a question. I have a question because you have the IMDb open. Did de Blasi write this as well? Yes. Like yes, write the screenplay? Okay. Okay. Sorry. It's, so I want to say it's not meant to be a mystery. And I, I really think that I when I say go in blind, I mean if you know more than the title, you know too much. If you, if you have even – one second. Look. On my DVD – <laughs> I have blacked out the back oh my God. so that when I yes so that when I give it to people they can't fucking read the back like, I also have uh, Clive Barker's uh, volumes of Books blood, of blood. That, yeah. yeah that contains the short story okay um but but this is what I'm saying is like literally if you know anything if you if you know the synopsis if you know that one of them is messed up then I think you know too much I I that's my my okay. take on it but um, well, but yes you do pick up on someone's um, neuroses fairly quickly very quickly <laughs> yeah. yeah well let's go back to when you first saw this tell us why this is your scarf for a pick tell us about when you saw it okay. all the dirty details about when you first experienced uh, this movie all right i'll talk about experience first and then i'll give you why okay um so uh i don't i basically i grew up watching horror movies with my friends like once i once i hit 10 and I became obsessed. It was just a matter of collecting my people that love the same thing over the next few years and converting friends that I already had into it. Um, and I don't know, I was probably like 16 or 17. I was invited to go hang out with my my friend, who's who's also my roommate here, Chelsea, and our friend Holly. We were, we were going to Holly's. They were already prepping a movie night. They're like, we just ordered a pizza. We're about to go pick it up grab some slurpees from 7-Eleven and we went to family video Ideal and we night, grabbed a couple way. yeah a hundred percent like literally Always. top tier Perfect. yeah uh self-care guys um and they were like we grabbed a couple movies from family video i was like oh what'd you grab they're like we have no fucking clue like we we just grabbed stuff that we thought was interesting hell yeah so i go over there and partake and snacks and and pizza and everything and uh i we watched some movie i couldn't even tell you what it was and then immediately followed that movie with dread and uh and that's why i'm big on like all i knew was the title i didn't even see the cover of it um and we put it on and just had a blast like we were just blown away and i think part of the reason why it it hit us really hard was a i think that the things that happen in this movie are pretty grounded in like there's no fantastical elements you know like this is if you meet a sick person these things could happen and uh and it was just different than the horror that we were watching i think everything up until this point was all like 
slashers and ghost stories mm. and monster flicks. And um, this just felt really different to me. And I, I think that for me specifically, the reason it hit so hard, and I'm sure we'll expand on this, but is uh, is it kind of opened me up to what the word horror means and uh, mm. and what the genre could be. And it just made me go, oh, there's this whole other type of movie. And, uh, and yeah, so love it. How, I'm sorry, I, how old were you? I think I was like 16 or 17. I'm going to say okay. 16, uh, is, but it, it could have been a little bit later. Um, I feel like it wasn't that long after it came out. Uh, okay. okay. But I, I don't know for sure. So then what about yeah. it scared wow. you so much? Well, so that's the thing. So this is where I guess where my pick maybe doesn't fit exactly what you guys are, are looking for. It's not that it's scared. Well, okay. The scariest thing to me or the thing that made me the most uncomfortable is I really don't like worm-like things or parasites and maggots just freak me out. So the steak scene mm-hmm. was really intense for me at the time. Um, it's still hard for me, but especially then, like I was I, like pale, nauseous. Um, just looking at the maggots was a lot for me. Um, specifically on like a thing of food like i I almost think it would have been easier on a body if that sounds weird but seeing it on like a steak was just uh and then what she had to do to it you know i mean she gets pretty intimate with that steak there and is literally (laughs) picking it up maggot covered and eating it so that was a a tough scene for me but um i i can relate to that because um i've I've had this the story and i thought i've been it's been like two no, it's been like how many years now? Four years almost. It'll be four years in, in October that we've been doing this. Mm-hmm. And no one has brought this up. So I'm just going to I'm going to share because it's the perfect time. Dude, Watching time. Lost Boys, there's the scene where he looks down in his thing and it's like full of worms as he's eating yeah. it. Turn me off worms, of eating spaghetti. Michael. My favorite <laughs> thing in the world. Turn me off of eating that as a kid for months. And so I get that, it, particularly with like that scene with with the meat. It was really disgusting. Yeah. That meat was very gray, oh, rancid, rancid. It was yeah. blue. It was blue. It yeah. was like it was like normal blue. I mean, gray, it's kind of hard to tell blue. because everything is so desaturated in, in these early options <laughs> sure. that it's yeah. kind of hard to really kind of tell. <laughs> yeah, a hundred percent. Wow. Yeah, I, I can. I can. It was. Uh, it was gross. a lot. Yeah, it was a lot, and. Um, and I don't know. I just I just couldn't stop thinking about it. I think that it's, it was one of those movies where like I had never seen that. And even I mean, by that point, I had been a pretty intense horror fan. Uh, you know, almost exclusively watching horror for about like six, seven years. But that was my first time where I I, I couldn't even wrap my head around how they filmed it. I was like, what mm-hmm. is she? I still don't know what she's eating because she's putting that in her mouth. It looks like she's taking bites off of it. To me, it's way grosser than watching them eat the actual like intestines and stuff that they got on the set of Night of the Living Dead. Like that scene is just rough for me. And uh, and maggots freak me out. I, I couldn't even be in that room with her. Uh, so trying to figure out how they did that on set is just too much. <laughs> couldn't do it. Cool. So then, okay, so wow. what about it has stuck with you? Like, what about it has okay. made it like a top five movie for you and has like, <sighs> kind of imprinted on it in a way? All right. It's, I think that, that I, prepping for this, I've been thinking a lot about it. I actually wrote out like stuff trying to like understand because I've been <laughs> confused when I, when I first saw it. Truly, this has been confusing. The past few years have been kind of confusing. When I first saw that movie, I showed it to, friends i showed it to like family at the time like i showed it to people and everyone reacted 
intensely like it was it they either really liked it for the reasons i liked it or they hated it but not in a in a it's a bad movie way they hated it because it was fucked and intense and and whatever and it's only been recently (laughs) that a few you know like like steve was one of the first where i was like oh he didn't like it interesting um and that was like getting to know him and uh and yeah, so I, I've been trying to figure out what it is that does it for me. And I, I really think it's it's that for me, it's a chapter in my appreciation of the horror genre as a whole, which is something that I care about a lot. Um, it just made me look at the genre differently and what it could do. It, I think before then, I thought that the goal of a movie, was, a horror movie, was to be scary, um, was to was to give you an experience of fear and how good it was was dependent upon its ability to do that and then obviously as you watched more your threshold for that grew but i think watching dread made me realize like no horror is a space to talk about a lot of things and like a horror story can just be something that's horrific and horrific and scary are not synonymous um you know what i mean like not necessarily it's just a fucked up story about people I, i think it's a you know it's about people not being able to cope with with their issues and and desperation on on figuring out a way to do that and and sort of what we're willing to do to find you know to find the answers and to escape our dread um you know and and everyone in the movie does that everyone is is doing that to some degree and in different ways um so it's i think it basically my my short answer is it it changed my appreciation of horror and made it grow even more but also i think it just lines up with a lot of my like my mental issues uh if if that makes sense yeah for sure. What you're saying, though, about like it kind of opened your mind to what horror can be. I think that's something mm-hmm. that comes up a lot when we talk about these sort of formative horror movies. Because it's like, for me, it was seeing Alien for the first time and understanding that Alien, like before that was like 1950s flying saucers, lasers, you know, Vatu or whatever his name was from the day the Earth stood still, like all of this kind of stuff. And so going into that and then realizing, no, this is... This is not that friendly alien movie. This is like something that is vicious and gross and lives inside of you. It is something that is completely outside of what my mind can understand as horror. And it kind of sent me down this trajectory. It sort of sounds like Dread is, the, is a similar venue for you where it's like it opened up your it, what what you think of as horror. Yeah, a hundred a hundred percent. A million percent. Did you see The Strangers before this? Yes. Yeah, I totally did. And I mean, The Strangers did it. I was looking for things. By that point, I had, you know, there's when you first get into horror, I think, especially when you do it as a kid, your any horror, anything creepy or weird is is interesting to you. And and as you start mm-hmm. to get through and like learn tropes and see similar things over and over again, uh, they start to be less effective. So anything that was pushing further was interesting to me. So if it was pushing further and like that's the most realistic killing I've ever seen or or attack or gore, you know, uh, if this killer is, you know, if we're learning more about this killer, I, I don't know. It just anything that was different and, and pushing on that edge. And I just feel like Dread at the time with with what I had seen was one of the biggest pushes. Um, 
And also, like I was talking about earlier, it was just we had a really good night, you know, like it was just watching it with two of my my good friends. And overall, it was just like impactful. And then I made more memories showing that movie to people. Um, So in just it's I think it's just formative in my in my relationship with with horror and the people that I love it with. So you introduced it to so did you introduce it to Steve? Is that how you saw it, Steve? Yes. Oh yeah, I wouldn't have well, watched this otherwise. Right, but here I want to stress. Okay, because I remember this specifically because it pissed me <laughs> I'm off. I'm gonna try to so, not shit on it while we watch. No. So listen, listen. So this is what happened. It's not like oh, Steve, we have to watch this movie, and I put the movie on, and he watched it, and we talked about it. I talked about the movie, and then I found out one day that he put it on when he went to bed because I had talked about it, and we, like, whatever. And he fell asleep halfway through the movie because he put it on, like, laying in bed, like, whatever. Like, that's that's what you told me at the time. You said you put it on, and you fell asleep, and you're like, but I'll finish it, I promise. And you, Yeah, I don't know if I would have fallen asleep during Alien. I, I think... <laughs> I, I'm not saying you would have loved it, but... I think I think that if we had watched it, like maybe you wouldn't have been at like I think I don't know. I'm a big I think that watching movie and movies and bits and pieces are like getting a yeah, a different experience. I think that you kind of ruined your chance to even like it, though I would still bet that you probably wouldn't have liked it. I don't think I would have liked it. I think that I probably fell asleep because the movie is is a tad boring. Ah. Uh, but you know, I honestly, I should stop putting on uh, like thunderstorm sounds when I go to sleep and just toss dread on the on the TV. Whatever, <laughs> <laughs> whatever. Look, yeah, I that, get... was my, that was my first experience, and then I and then I I rewatched it fully. Um, unfortunately, to no avail. But I did I did give it a good old college try. Listen, I know that you guys are interviewing me. What? Give me your. What do you think? of this movie and you lay out some stuff and i'll see if i can debate it <laughs> okay so, be honest <laughs> I, i'm going to be honest i i am okay. i am nothing if not honest but okay. so here's the thing when i was watching this i was i was very excited to to, to see this as someone to pick this movie because it has been mm-hmm. in my queue for a very long time because okay. a clive barker and i think i read somewhere someone said there were like queer elements to this. And so I was like, I got to add this to my list and I can kind of see some sexual tension between the two leads between Steve, uh, what's Steven and, and Quaid. Is that his yeah, name? And Quaid. Quaid? Yeah. yeah. Quaid. Like I can kind of see some kind of like weird kind of internalized homophobia. So we can't really say anything like you could, there's a reading I think that someone could make of this movie in terms of that. But I was, so I was like excited. I was like, okay, there might be queer elements, Clyde Barker, queer, like maybe this will be good and i just kept thinking i have to i'm sorry i have to agree with steve i was watching this going this is kind of boring for for a long period of time i'm like when does this like torturous stuff kind of start happening because i -hmm. I was like i I thought it'd be more in line with that and then it finally does happen and i was like this feels very um of the time this feels very of the early aughts coming towards the tail end of like uh, the torture porn franchise, or the the like saw like this has a saw ending. The ending of this feels very saw like. 
I'll agree with you on that. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it, it definitely feels like it is pulling, like it is, it, it's desaturated. Everything is, is like, has that kind of dour look to it of, of like the early aughts that they were going for. It mm-hmm. has sort of, the, it turns into torture porn towards like the midpoint of the film. Like there is definitely some elements to it that of that time. And I just kept thinking this feels very edge lordy. Really? <laughs> was my, was my reaction yeah. to it. Yeah. Mary Beth. <laughs> and then I'll and then I'll I'll go for I'll go for everyone at once. Be real. I'm sorry. I don't want to. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, no, do it. <laughs> this is like my birthday. This is what I should have gotten for my birthday. <laughs> this is a fucking joy. Go I just it. want to say we don't like roast films really, or like spe- we we rarely like speak badly because we don't like talk about film specifically on our show. So we just like if we don't have anything nice to say, there's no reason to even like critique. So getting to like fully like critique a movie like Dread yeah, is it's, just it's like fun. A plus. Yeah. See, that, that's what we do on like our, our little mini-sode. We only talk about, mm-hmm. we usually, 90% of the time, only talk about movies that, that bring us joy that we want to share with other people. Yeah. But mm-hmm. it's like, when it comes to the interview, it's whatever the guest brings. And I'm, yes. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna yeah. lie. Yeah. I'm gonna be I, my truth. I, I would hate if you did. Mary Beth. I'm sorry to cut you off, Mary Beth. No. <laughs> trying to be diplomatic here it i'm not asking for diplomacy <laughs> i think we should also say we both like anthony de Blasi's like latest like malum really enjoyed so it's very weird to me that this is based on a clive barker short story and like i read a bunch about de Blasi. like he has like a bunch of like intern with barker and executive produce he executive produced midnight me train which was like the movie i imprinted on and showed everyone in high school so like weird connection I mm-hmm. like I liked Last Shift. I liked Malum a lot. This is just it is a movie that does not feel like a real movie. Is what I texted Terry. It just I just feel like it doesn't know what it's doing until like near the end, which I liked the end. I texted Terry with, "All right, I take back what I said. I do like kind mm-hmm. of where this is going. I wish it had been like almost more it had been more of the movie." I feel like Anthony de Blasi is like kind of at this point known for like these third act, like crazy third act reveals. But this one was, I do not think Mm -hmm. the right movie for that. I think it needed to have more of that, like more of that kind of like cruelty we see in it because it's just so exposition heavy in a way that I don't think adds to the story for me in terms of understanding who these people are. I, and my other problem with this movie is that yes there is a the there's this what's his name the guy the guy's tortured and he has hearing like issues because of his hearing joshua yeah but the other only other two people tortured are women and they're like put through these like really really like extended long torture sequences and it is so textbook 2009 torture porn to like take and like adding a woman who has a birthmark and like Doing like playing with that and having her bleach her skin and then imprisoning the woman who is raped. Like we have, of course, somehow rape, of course, has to come into it. And I know that this is a mm-hmm. and this is a very two thousand nine film. I just think that there's so many things in it that are just not executed well and fall too too hard into these like edge lord film bro stereotypes to me. I'm sorry. So <laughs> no, no, you're fine. You're fine. So okay. <laughs> So first off, I just complete, I, I'm going to, all right, 
I'm going to start with a hard statement, and I'm going to get to the book a little bit. <laughs> but first, I definitely just don't agree that that like taking the things from the third act and like bringing them forward. Like to me, it would have been a, I I don't want to see the slasher or saw even like the torture porn esque version of just like Quaid as a serial killer. Like to me, that's that's just like I've just seen that a bunch. So I think that the thing that was different for me about it um, is is that it, it is, it's kind of just like, it feels like a normal thing with like tension that slowly builds between characters until things like pop, as opposed to just being a killer who's had like a plan his whole time. Like, I'm trying to figure out how I want to, what I want to say. I get, I get what you mean though. Like you're talking, you're, you're yeah, seeing it more as like, we're seeing someone, a more realistic version of someone who is trying to deal with a mental illness rather than like, a crazed serial killer who already is like a theatrical okay. human turned monster. It, to me, it was like, okay. it was, it, yeah. And I also, I totally, I, I never really thought about the, um, to me, like Quaid's, I, I think that the two women being hit was, I don't think that he, if anything, I would say Quaid is probably bisexual. That's probably where the, uh, the gay stuff comes in. I mean, Clive Barker there I feel like there's always gay undertones in in a lot of his work you know um but I think that Quaid it was just desperate and grabbed the closest people that he could get like I don't think that Quaid is getting like a sexual sadistic thing specifically about torturing women but I do understand how it could come off that way especially amongst like other like the movies that were happening at the time and also like it's Um, not even just like the character it's like the way it's written it's like i get that quaid Mm -hmm. is like it's not for any kind of sexual pleasure but the way that the camera objectifies and the way that it like he i mean he has sex with this girl and like manipulates her and then like he does have sexually does have sex with her and like exposes these like very intimate moments and i think like regardless of Quaid's character, I think de Blasi writing that mm-hmm. and writing that into this when it's like, I haven't read the short story, but I know a lot of it is not in the short story. Like writing that in to mm-hmm. me gives me the ick. Like the, for de Blasi to put that in the story, like in his film is what gives me the ick more than anything else. Like regardless of what he intended with the character, the way like it ultimately ends up and how it's filmed and how it is given that 2009 mm-hmm. like look, it really just like, ugh. I guess yeah. that's yeah, I guess that's just a thing in general that I I get a little bit confused about in horror is like like I I, I don't know. I think there's definitely movies that the movie itself is incredibly objectifying um you know to women and and disrespectful to women and and the movie itself feels like a statement that that puts women down but it i guess i i don't get that as strongly from this movie and i'm wondering like does it mean that just every time that a bad character does things like that that the movie like that the the person that wrote it is toying with those areas it becomes problematic um, like it's, I, I guess I'm trying to no, figure out no, like where that, that line is. I mean, I think the line mm-hmm. really just depends on like, it's gotta be a case by case basis and it has to feel like, sure. it's not, it has to feel to me that it's not coming from an exploitative perspective. And again, this is, a, I, sure. I think what I'm talking, and again, like what I'm talking about is subjective. I'm not saying that like, I have the objective truth about like all this no. stuff, but I'm saying like from a subject sure. from a like subjectively, I think when you're seeing something that I feel is like 
adding to this exploitative nature of a movie. And again, like in terms of the context of what this movie is operating in, it is operating in a pretty misogynistic period for horror in terms of how women's bodies are portrayed. But like, I'm just, I'm also saying like, I'm not, okay. I'm not saying you can't have a character who has been molested by her father, but we don't have to use that Mm. and then have her keep going through trauma and then shove food in her mouth and make her relive her, her rape as a child. I just think that, that mm. is be not being used in a way that feels anything more than exploitative. In, in my opinion, it just feels like it's being used to titillate and to make it even more fucked up. And I am, I love fucked up shit. I love rape revenge yeah. movies. But like, and again, like, this is just from my perspective. I just think it's just, it doesn't mm-hmm. really add to me. It just kind of feels mean in a way that does not feel like it adds to the film's like message or what it's trying to accomplish that more than anything Interesting. to me, I think yeah. is like what it like to me, it feels like it's, it's riding an exploitative line more than anything to me. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, in- I have never had anyone, you know, bring up these specific issues about this movie. Uh, so it's, it's definitely something I want to think about more. Um, yeah. I also obviously like, especially hearing, you know, from a woman that that this made you feel those things like i don't like i i can't there's nothing i can say to that you know it's uh like i that makes me want to rethink the whole thing uh cuz yeah. i just where i where i feel like i can pick those out in other movies i just haven't haven't picked them up as much in this i think that the i it's definitely fucked up like i i yeah. i think it's i i didn't see it as like uh exploiting women as a whole in this i i saw it as this person has this really fucked trauma and i just appreciated that the movie was willing to go that dark i think and i wasn't thinking about like man or woman it that it just happened to be that but i get that you can't you can't deny that those things are there so fair enough i think that's a that's a fault of the film as a whole is kind of its writing so it's like it's it's either like overwritten, in my opinion, it's at, mm-hmm. at times either overwritten or underwritten. And so like, I think the moments where you have the opportunity to, to give any like semblance of reason behind the traumatic things that the woman ex- is experiencing are underwritten and they just kind of exist. Um, as opposed to, to your point, like Mary Beth, like the, the exposition in the first act is like overwritten to the point where it's kind of boring um yeah so yeah i mean i think and i i think that this is i mean again like sean and i both like i I don't i don't think that i watch films with a specific like critical nature or at least like look at it with the i look at it with a straight white man point of view like most of the time um but i will say recently like i had my biggest you know moment of like realization in the film when i was watching terrifier because that's something where i never yeah, I'm kind of Sorry. with you. Like I and we, I mean, we had this conversation with, um, with Jenna Cannell from Terrifier, um, about these issues in the film, and I and I think it's something that you know, it, it's so worth like looking at these different films with a second vantage point, um, and seeing, you know, the the subtext or at least like the, the um subconscious you know subtextual things that are in there whether it's like internalized misogyny which is you know i think a a big thing in terrifier and possibly in this too i obviously Mm -hmm. don't i'm not gonna like call someone a misogynist um unless it's very blatant but i think that's that's what it is with those like mid 
to early 2000s films is like internalized misogyny by male writers who maybe are early in their careers and haven't had like industrial uh industrial like yeah industrial you know experience in the industry to um allow them to have a, a viewpoint to kind of expand how they're writing or like fix it yeah yeah, yeah. i i think about like this time in movies and the way posters are for instance we have quarantine and we talked about that with our last recording about the, with the way the poster is framed we have here, which is a naked woman cowered in a corner. And then I think about movies like captivity that like focuses on the, the, the female's face. Like it is definitely this era of movie is definitely putting a lot of weight on women in peril and almost mm-hmm. mixing it with like sex, like the, the, there's no there's no sex coming from Jennifer Carpenter on on that that picture but the way the picture is framed is very much like she's down on all fours she's wearing as Mary Beth had said last night you know that's the it's the tight kind of shirt like it is the way the, the the gaze is framed and I I do feel that in this movie but it's also the reason why Mary Beth and I have have a very big disagreement about martyrs because I can't I don't like the word direction that martyrs goes as well and it's because of female characters that don't have agency and I don't feel like the characters in here really have agency Okay, so and I think that's where my problems come. Sure. With. So I have a couple of questions, and I, I feel like I want to state them all instead of one by one, and just to just kind of throw out like where my brain might be kind of confused. I am confused about why martyrs would be would be completely different unless it's just about the the element of because martyrs is a, a rape revenge story, right? Am I wrong? It's not. It's a um, revenge, but it's not rape revenge. It's not rape revenge. Okay. All right. Then I guess toss that. But then I'm curious about your guys' thoughts on, like, 80, 80 slashers and just the slasher genre in general, because I would think that those are way more um, objectifying than the, than the like, I see what you're saying, especially with quarantine, like, looking at the poster. I don't think I get it from the whole movie as much as you guys have been talking about, but but the poster, I'm like, okay, I see what they're saying. I don't get it as much in Dread, but I have been newly introduced to the concept that it's even there, so I need to relook at it. Um, but yeah, so I'm curious about your guys' thoughts on the slasher genre. And then, isn't removing people's agency, like, part of, like, it's a horrific thing. Like, I, I think, I know what you mean. Like, I think that there's movies that do it in a way that are, like, entirely meant for the male gaze and are done either blatantly or subconsciously by like misogyny in, in the writers. But I don't know. I, I think that like, like it, to me, it makes sense with this story that like, that's what Quaid is doing. Cause that's like what happened to him. Um, you know what I mean? Putting, yes. yeah. So, so to, to kind of answer both your questions, cause mm-hmm. I am a huge slasher fan, but my favorite slashers are actually Nightmare on Elm Street. Like that, that is a series. And that one, I would say does not really have that same sort of issue that like Friday the 13th did where sure. it's like this idea of people, you know, hot women getting naked and showing their boobs. Like yeah. that happens a little bit in, in a couple of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies, but that one is, I, I would say that one does not fit that sort of stereotype of That's fair. what we think of yeah. with the 80s slash. Not as much for sure. Right. But I can absolutely see, particularly with like Friday the 13th and movies that were aping that style it is definitely tits and ass and it is definitely focusing on the women being terrorized and running through the the forest Mm -hmm. completely i completely agree with you there when it comes to like agency so like 
I think for me in this movie, we have, so we have Quaid and we have Steven. They both feel like they have agency in this movie. The two women that are in this movie do not. They are basically there for... They're love interests. They're, they're fuck sex. buddies. They're That's love the interest. problem. Sorry. No. So they're sort of relegated to that. And when we look at the kind of torture that is enforced on all the characters, it is predominantly in terms of like length, it is focused more on the one woman scrubbing her body and pouring bleach all over herself or the other woman being starved for like a week. And so there's like a, a preponderance of focus on that vice. The one guy who just has his eardrums blown up, which is horrible. Don't get me wrong. But in terms of like the sustained amount of period, there's a difference between the way the movie kind of punishes the men versus punishing the women. And so I think that that's sort of where my issues. I want to definitely add to that because I mean, I've written a lot about like how the horror has a lot of problems about like misogyny and I just have a pretty big eye for it because one, I am a woman mm -hmm. and I've had a lot of love lived experiences of being a woman. And I also wrote my master's thesis on rape revenge movies and how the mm -hmm. world has looked and like the male gaze. So like, I am aware that I am like more programmed to look for these things um, in movies as well. And like, I can still watch movies like some of my favorite movie. Like I love some of the, these movies that are absolutely terrible with in terms of like misogyny. I'm not saying a movie is unwatchable or bad if it has it. I just think it's important to talk about mm -hmm. it and mm -hmm. acknowledge it because absolutely. I think yeah. like, we're not going to get like, I'm not going to be able to watch shit if I don't want to watch any misogyny and horror. And like contextually, you can like, <laughs> yeah. like, I know this, I know this is about horror. And that's, that is just because of the way the world has worked, it works in contemporary to context and changing whatever. But mm -hmm. I will never like fully discount, um, not, not, not never, I will almost never fully discount a movie on like misogyny stuff unless it is like rampant, but in this movie, I want to add on what Terry was saying, too, is, like, the it is about the two guys. And if it was, if we had, like, branching perspectives of spending more time with the female characters, if we had more time, like, getting to know them as characters and not just as, like, these kind of sad sack add-ons that are used to make the two men feel better about themselves sexually... I'm being harsh. I apologize, but that's her, whatever. And then they're both at the end, like, and, you know, even the guy who gets Josh, who gets, he gets to come back with an ax and get revenge. But these two women are yeah. either left tied or in the hospital. They're not like when we, I, I think when Terry says agency, it's not like, it's more just like they at least have a chance to do something like with like what the male characters get to do in terms of revenge, not just be kind of like sure. damsels in distress that have to be saved and then are just kind of seen as like the ones that get the worst of it. And it's just like, I, it's just like, it is just a, such a choice to have all of these things come together in terms of having these female characters. And I think... It might not have been intentional, but I still think it's important to realize, like, well, if you subconsciously did this, then, like, maybe we should interrogate why you subconsciously thought that that was the right choice. And you know what I mean? Like, sure. that's, like, and that, I think, is another important thing to acknowledge. Like, I'm not saying that de Blasi is a rampant misogynist, but I'm saying that, like, in mm. 2009, misogyny was rampant. Post 9-11... Everyone was like, women have made us weak. We must be strong men. And even if, like, you didn't actually think that, you have that so mm -hmm. deeply ingrained in your psyche with how, like, crazy media was that there's, like, 
it, ha- it has that subconscious effect, I think. And yeah. Sure. Yeah. So I definitely see what you're saying. Um, I think that that helped a bit. Um, I will say, so you said none of you have read the, the short story, but you She's looked into some of the differences. No. Which but I think I, is sure. incredible. <laughs> I wish they had kept the clown, to be perfectly honest with you. Hardly. It's it's really vague, and you kind of have to piece. Like you're almost like, wait, what is that? Oh, what this really ended Wikipedia. up being about? When you read it, yeah. When you when you read it, you don't. Wikipedia gives a very like sure straightforward it bit by bit. Like, it ends up basically yeah. in in the short story. I think it's just kind of hinted that that the person that killed Quaid's family was a like dressed as a clown, but it doesn't even directly say that. It just kind of. Um, it just kind of like hints at it later. I don't know. It's kind of confusing. To be honest, I don't really love the way that the short story is written. Okay. But there are some differences that I want to bring up um, that might defend Anthony maybe to a little bit and put at least some of it on, on Clive. So in the short, um, it is just Stephen, Quaid, and Cheryl. Um, Cheryl is not a love interest of Steven at any point. Cheryl is 100% just a throwaway character in the short. Mm -hmm. And it ends up being like a, um, uh, a mind for Quaid to argue with at first. And then Quaid wins her over for what he wants to do. So she's definitely just a device used in that tool that the short story is just about two guys. It's about Quaid and then Steven, who is written to be much more, um, uh, like just kind of worshiping Quaid and and like like a teacher and understudy in in the story, uh, which I don't like that much. And so Joshua from the movie comes into play by splitting Stephen's story kind of into. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think uh, Abby is not a splitting of Cheryl, but like an add on to the concept of Cheryl. So I think from the story to the movie perspective, Anthony gave. Uh, gave the woman character in it more uh, more time, more agency, but I, I get what you're saying. But to go with my other point, yeah. though, the edgelord aspect of mm-hmm. it, it's not that the woman is a vegetarian, as in the short story. It is that she <laughs> was raped by her father, and when she smells meat, it turns her stomach. Like That is like an additional additive yes. that is not in the short story, yes. and it adds like to this, oh my god, right. can it just be that she doesn't like to eat meat? So, like, <laughs> so I think um, I get what you're saying. Uh, I think so in the short story, it's not just that she's a vegetarian. It specifically says that she's she's a vegetarian, but it says that she has like a a complete like fear and distaste of me. It literally says the words fear of it, and it just doesn't ever explain why. And I mean, this statement won't do anything for you guys because you don't really like the movie in general. But to me, it without that element or at least something to to bring it to to that intense level of of why, then that whole arc and like point in that whole scene uh falls apart like her just being a vegetarian and forcing her to eat meat in that room just doesn't do like to me that's just strange um i need the like fucked up context of why uh, what if her dad needs choked be... and died on a steak that's goofy that to just, me that's goofy i, I, I i'm not know. saying i just feel like there's something mm-hmm. i i mean like i i understand wanting to add like an extra layer to it to mm-hmm. make it even more but i just as someone who is just like i don't think we need to like i i don't i am not by any means a person that says rape should not be on film i think rape is an important thing to portray in movies 100 mm-hmm. percent. but in situations like this where i do feel like it's not 
used in a way that I think is, it just, again, it feels exploitative in my opinion. Sure. I think that's why, you know what I mean? Like that to me yeah. is a use of it where it's like, I just think there are other things you could have done. And if that is the most titillating thing you think you can do to a woman and all this, and like, Ooh, maybe we should interrogate that, like pull that apart a little bit. Sure. And it's, again, um... sorry, just one more thing. Sorry. And like, again, contextually it is, it is, it is adding into a pile of movies contextually that just continuously are like, you were raped. So that's why you're fucked up. And it's like, yes, yeah, I think so. I think a hundred percent, and and it's hard. Like rape and horror is something that is obviously so hard to talk about. It's specifically hard for me and Steve to talk about when it comes up on our show because we are just two cis straight white dudes and trying to figure out like how I feel. Like I'm I'm torn between this place of like trying to be honest about where my thoughts and whatever lie about it, and also acknowledging like there are reasons that I have, like, the opinion that I do about it because I'm completely unaffected by these other things. I, I To me, it makes sense that rape is, is used a lot, uh, especially in the horror context, because it's one of the most horrific and violating things that you could do to a person. And it's, you know, it's, it's put out there a lot. Uh, I think the fact that we have a harder time talking about that than we do about all of the other terrible things that happen to people in horror movies that happen to people in real life, you know, uh, that like a person that has been through a stabbing is going to have a really hard time watching a movie where a person gets stabbed. It, I just think that there's clearly this thing about rape that just feels more violating than, than even murder and a lot of attacks. So I, I think that's why it's used because it's, it's the alt, it's one of the ultimate sore spots. It is. But I, I do think that one of the, the problems that we see is, is that that is, constantly used yeah. in in horror as like whenever we talk about revenge when it comes with a female character more often than not it's because their kid was killed yeah. so that it's it's because they're a mom mm-hmm. or they were raped and like that is where a, a lot of that kind of trauma comes from and we don't we don't see that on the male side there's a million reasons why a man could want to go on revenge in it it doesn't yes. have to necessarily be because he is a father or because he was sexually assaulted yeah and so i think that there is when we talk about it there's a preponderance of films that utilize female trauma with sexual assault as shorthand and it feels that's when the exploitation comes into and so it's not necessarily when we when we talk about this kind of stuff it's not that it's this movie's fault it's that this movie is a is part of a broader picture that is using this as shorthand in a kind of gross sometimes titillating way meant to be titillating it's not titillating but Mm -hmm. it's meant to be as sort of like again male gazing and and, and titillation with the exploitation maxing like mashing violence and sex together and focusing on female pain like that happens preponderantly a lot Mm -hmm. when it comes to female characters it's gotten better over the years but like it's just when we take a look at it that is typically (laughs) that is typically the only spot that directors go for it 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 becomes boring i mean taking out what exactly it is it's if you keep saying the same thing over and over again to the particular type of character it just it's like okay can we do, do something different? Sure. Excuse me, different than just having that. And so I, I think that this becomes sort mm-hmm. of, particularly with that era, when you're looking at the whole era of the torture porn and the way that film of the early aughts kind of sexualizes and victimizes women. Um, it's just, this is just feels just kind of, whether it's trying to do something smarter or not, 
it, it's debatable, but it mm-hmm. just feels like part of that sort of problem that we had. Sure. Um, I totally get that. I think that, especially with what you just said there, it, it makes it make sense to me why I maybe I, I'm not as hit, hit as hard by it. I haven't seen, even to this day, I haven't seen that many movies, um, even in the horror sphere, that have rape scenes. I know that plenty exist, but I've only, like, the ones that I know that I've seen, this isn't horror exactly, but, like, Girl with a Dragon Tattoo, uh, Last House on the Left, both versions, and The Hills Have Eyes. And of those four, I, I personally still like last house on the left and i still like dread oh i'm sorry and and dread um i don't like the way like i personally am made really uncomfortable i'm made uncomfortable in a different way by the way it's done in a hills have the hills have eyes and um and i just wasn't super interested in the girl with the dragon tattoo personally but i basically what i'm saying is like i haven't been overexposed to those things so for me they were just really intense moments that i wasn't getting anywhere else um it it I didn't see these movies after seeing a ton of horror movies that were filled with them, if that makes sense. But absolutely, it's it's important to acknowledge that the genre is filled with that. And and like you've been pointing out, that that specific time period um, uh, was filled with it. And it's not like there's there's like horror, you know, it's it's not like it's, you know, there's a lot of sexual assault in horror films, mm-hmm. but it happens to like all genders like there's sexual assault a lot of sexual assault in horror films mm-hmm. and it's mainly women I, I yeah. can't think of any that aren't women um so like that's the that's really like the root of it i think at yeah. the end of the day is it's not like it's a very directed specific thing sure whereas it's... like murder happens to everyone stabbing happens to everyone decapitations yes. happen to everyone is that not reflective though like is it, it i guess it's i'm almost like because horror is supposed to be uh, you know, a lot of things. It's it's supposed to be like we're, we want to use it as a progressive tool. It's also a mirror. And I, while sexual assault happens to, if we're talking real life, sexual assault happens to to men, but it does happen to women significantly more. Like, is it, to me, it just makes sense that it exists more in the horror space. Um, and that's why and, I think it's it's so. That's mm-hmm. why because it like like you said, it is such a you know, the sorest spot or like something that makes you more uncomfortable than a stabbing or, or a murder yeah. um, because it is so specific. You have to treat it a- as a writer. If you're trying to do something, yeah. I, in my opinion, important or worthwhile to watch, you have to treat it with a certain amount of respect. And so I think that's yeah. the root of it is like, in my opinion, it, de Blasi doesn't treat it with a lot of respect. It's, it's simply a, Same. a footnote as opposed to like the film, revenge which is obviously a different pov like you know whole different um bag of marbles it's it is treated with this other level of respect i think you can you can add you know the 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 woman is a vegetarian because when she was raped the the meat thing um Mm -hmm. but there needs to be a level of contextuality and and writing done to make it feel like it should exist there and there's no reason for it to exist there. Like it, it is simply for for him him knowing that a woman being raped is bad. So I'm gonna put that she was raped in the movie, and that's it. Just knowing that it'll elicit that response. I guess I don't know. I guess when I think of rape as a thing that happens, it's it's a thing. It's just this terrible thing that happens to somebody for for no reason when they're living their life, and I. 
I don't know, I guess I'm trying to understand is, does that mean that the only way, like what if, if not to, to explain her character and to, to give the impact that the moment has later, then what is an appropriate way to have rape in a horror movie that isn't a revenge story in any way? Is, is that the only way that it's appropriate? That's a genuine question. I don't think it's that way, but I also think that it's no. used very glibly by a lot of people. I think that yes. it's used as a plot device mm-hmm. in a way to frame a woman, and it's the only way, like one of the only ways a woman can be traumatized. I know this is not something new I'm saying, but like it's used mm-hmm. so glibly that I think this is that's the issue is that it's used it's like the plot device for women it's like the plot device for women a lot of the time and like i don't know Mm. like a lot of like the two like the male characters those are given a lot of like other explanations about the depth of their trauma but hers was just like my dad had sex with me and my mom didn't know and i was like you're not like Mm -hmm. can we get like a deeper look at that like i think just like throwing in like a like it just feels like a a little dash of trauma when i think if you're gonna use rape you gotta like think about Mm -hmm. it and like i and look i'm coming at this as someone Mm -hmm. who one has done a lot of research about this and two is a rape survivor like to bring it down sorry but like just like bringing that in here, my perspective is also very different because I have had that lived experience and I don't really want to, like, again, I am someone who doesn't mind seeing it, but when it's used, it's, I but I'm much more kind of critical of how it is used and how it is approached because of my lived experience. And I think that, like, it's important to be able to kind of, like, point out, like, hey, do we have to have that be the thing in all of these movies? And, like, Mm -hmm. why is it being used? Like, why is that to... Like, I want to know why. Like, why is it being used? Why is sexual assault the thing that needs to be used? And if there's an answer to that question, I think that's Mm -hmm. great. But if it just seems like because it's really fucked up, I think we have to interrogate that. It just feels for shock value. Yeah, it's just for shock value. And I don't think... Rape should always be used for shock value. It's, and I, yeah. I know that it's like this whole fucking thing of like, well, there's murder and murder, whatever. What, you know, but like, here's no. the, it's yeah. just like, the thing is that rape is almost always portrayed towards women to demean them and to put them in their place. And that is not cool. Like, I know revolutionary, po- like, opinion, but like, it's, just fall and like it's not obviously as explicit in a rape revenge movie here and i'm not saying that but again it's following that Mm -hmm. trend of seeing women as kind of like lesser things that can be used as playthings. and this is a problem in slash like every fucking genre of horror is where women are demeaned and used as objects of fear and desire and that means Mm -hmm. that from fear and desire intersect like with sex and violence like with rape it's the perfect thing to put a woman through to be scary to women and Mm -hmm. kind of hot to men and it's gross. And, like, I, that's the problem is, like, when you start interrogating that and you start thinking about that, mm-hmm. you realize how much of horror is predicated on, like, those kinds of fantasies and it's really fucked. But, like, so, again, like, in pointing it out, it's just, like, important to mm-hmm. kind of acknowledge that, like, where these movies fall into, like, a history of this stuff and how, like... Yeah. And no me And, like, 
Again, I am not saying we don't need, like, rape is, is something we should never portray. I, I by no means will ever say that. I think hiding these things mm-hmm. is, like, the worst thing you could possibly do. And not having movies mm-hmm. about these things is the worst thing you could possibly do. I just think there just needs to be more thought behind it and a little bit more intentionality, which is why I love, like, female-directed rape revenge movies or movies that handle mm-hmm. male sexual assault. Because, again, like... It happens to everybody, but it's not looked at. And that is, again, a whole other can of worms to like, not like probably not the best place to discuss here, but that's a whole other can of worms of not listening to all survivors. And Mm -hmm. I think that's shifting now. And I think there's ways you can portray, like there's a movie called Candyland that has male sexual assault portrayed in a really fascinating way that I think is really important. And Mm -hmm. I think that there are ways to be like, having these discussions i and i just think they need to be more careful and a little bit more intentional with what they're doing rather than just like a, oh we'll throw this into shock or like be scary and be fucked up like that's the sole thing yeah i a hundred percent agree i guess it and, and it seems like in every single way about this movie i just had a completely different experience than you guys like i just don't see it as a like a throwaway like it doesn't feel like uh they don't feel like throwaway characters to me that moment doesn't just feel like a shock moment like to me this is one of the better ways i granted i haven't seen a ton but one of the better of the limited that i've seen so i want to stress i bet i'm saying that to stress that i agree with every point you made i just didn't see those issues in this movie the way that you did like i'm i'm that's what i'm trying to to understand and yeah. see um well I, we're not going to solve yeah. the issue of <laughs> exploitation yeah. in in yeah. this conversation but um fuck i was trying yeah i, <laughs> I think i think quaid <laughs> exploited her a hundred percent i just i'm trying to wrap my head around the movie being what did it so i'm yeah i just got to think about it a lot yeah. more i guess well on that somber note um <laughs> I think we should. I think we should wrap up. Yeah, sure. give us um, our rating out of five. Um, Terry, do you want to go first? How many pieces of uh, how many pieces of rotten meat out of five do you give Dread or rotten steaks? Pardon me. So, taking out all the conversations that we have, I do think the biggest problem for me with this film is the fact that it is. It, it, it's the same problem I find with a lot of short films where there's a lot extra added to make it into a feature length when the story is supposed to be just kind of read and moved on. And so I I do think that part of the problem for me is that we have half the movie that feels like exposition and the other half that feels like a very quick journey through what that era was already doing in terms of like the, the kind of torture porn aesthetic, whether, whether, whether this is torture porn or not is, is debatable, but it has that same kind of aesthetic and same kind of plot points that a lot of those types of movies from that that decade have so for me this just did not work for me it's a it's a one and a half unfortunately for me i just it did not it did not register on any level for me unfortunately what about you mary so Beth? i'm gonna give this one two and a half rotten steaks i think like <clears throat> i shared my problems with it i shared like my thoughts i think that there are some really interesting things going on here especially in terms of like the serial killer stuff and like i know it's kind of like a solid light and I think there is some really interesting stuff going on here. I just think that, like, between trying to adapt a short story and trying to give it, like, the 2009 twist, I just think it's a little bit of a stumbling block for de Blasi. I can see where he's developing a lot of, like, his style. And that's really kind of cool to see because this was his mm-hmm. directorial debut. So it was really interesting to see, like, his style developing and, like, what you see in his later films and kind of, like, the way he structures his scripts. It's kind of cool to see that mm-hmm. growing. Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah, I think, like... 
again, I shared my issues with it being slow and some of the things it does, but I, I will give it two and a half rotten steaks out of five. Um, I'm going to throw it to Sean and Steve for the final word, starting with Sean. Actually, let's start with, with Steve first, and we'll end yeah, on the positive so I with be Sean. So, Steve, you first. <laughs> um, how many rotten steaks out of five do you give Dread? Uh, just like Terry, I, I would give it one and a half rotten steaks uh, Why the out half? of five. One and a half. <laughs> Yeah, but why the half? I, I'm surprised you didn't just say one. Well, because I think it's. I think that there are worse. Zero has to be a really bad. I'm not going to go through my mm. rating system. I would say one and a half. Uh, <laughs> rotten, rotten steaks or rancid steaks mm. or you know. Um, I just think it's boring and poorly written. I think that you have a movie at the end of the day. I think that the half probably comes from the acting. I would say that all the actors are pretty game in this. Um, for mm-hmm. some very uncomfortable shit. Um, I will say that, uh, not Quint, not Jackson Rathbone. What's the other guy's, what the other, what's the other character's name? Quinn. Um, Quaid. Quaid. Yeah. Quaid. Well, I said Quinn. I yeah. was thinking I have screen Sorry. six on the mind. But Quaid yeah. is Jackson Rathbone, right? Uh, no, uh, Sean Evans no. is Quaid. Yes. Yeah. Oh, gotcha. Okay. So yeah, mm-hmm. Sean Evans is character. Sean Evans from Hot Ones? Holy shit. He, uh, <laughs> he, he, he plays like a, like an anime villain to me. Um, and it just is so weird. Yeah. Rewatching it last night, it just like, it was funny that you mentioned Inuyasha because I, he, he like kind of wants to be an, and I think that's where like the, there's like uh, every anime villain has like a strange, like, you know, like a, a bit of queer, not strange queerness, but like a bit of queerness to them, I feel oh, like. Fuck yeah, thank um, you. Yeah. And so. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so uh so yeah i think it's again boring and and not well written unfortunately um one and a half right, and pulse or whatever sean, we said we'll end on a positive note for sean i am gonna go ahead like and say that i no, no 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 it's a i'm i i'm gonna give it a four four and a half okay rancid stakes um and i would have given it five i'm gonna go ahead and say that i can still confidently and strongly say that i disagree with all of you about most of the things about it the one thing that i'm that i'm reconsidering is um is the way that it it treats women because i i truly didn't where i see that in in a lot of other movies and and obviously you want to grow every day i didn't realize or or see those in this movie so i want to to review that but other than that i strongly say that it is not boring it's not uh, most of the other poorly written the things that you guys say that it is so i just experienced it differently um but that's okay (laughs) 4.5 hey that's that's the joy of of talking things through with other people yeah so uh welcome welcome thank you so much for joining us uh where can our listeners again find you um and your socials and all that fun stuff holy shit I was supposed Sean. to be the guy to do it. Yeah, uh, uh-huh. you are. <laughs> I forgot. Um, uh, we are mostly horror. I don't know what Steve ever says. You can check us out at uh, on all the stuff at wherever you listen to podcasts under Mostly Horror. We're part of uh, the Morbid Network, uh, attached to Wondery specifically. You can find us at Mostly Horror Pod on Instagram, Mostly Horror on TikTok. Um, our email is yeah, and Twitter. Yep. I forget Twitter even exists. Um, but uh, mostly horror movie night at gmail.com to send us emails, write us, and talk to us about anything. I am everywhere at either hypocrite inc or hypocrite.inc. And Steve is everywhere at Steven is average. Are you that nice. on everything? Yeah, everything. Anything else? All right. I'm average. I've heard everywhere. you say it enough. And, uh, and yeah, I think I did okay. 
Yeah, that was good. <laughs> Hell yeah. All right, I'll, I'll, I'll take keep, it. I'll keep doing them for the show, but that was good. Yeah, I'm not the guy. He's the guy, but... <laughs> So, listeners, you've heard from us that we want to hear from you. What was your experience with Dread from 2009? You can send us an email at scarredforlifepodcast at gmail.com or reach out to us directly on Twitter. I am at MB McAndrews. And I'm McGaley Dreadful. Um, and CC us on those emails. <laughs> <laughs> I, w- I want to know. I got to know. We'll forward them to you. Don't worry. Um, All right. And, of course, don't forget to follow the podcast on Twitter at Scarred Podcast. And please don't forget to review, rate, and subscribe. And if you want to help support us, we are on patreon thank you to eric power for our artwork thank you to sean keller for our music thank you everyone for listening please stay safe out there but most importantly stay creepy and until next time powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.